Adam, we have a special guest star. Mm-hmm. Two, actually. Yep. We have the wonderful Andrew David Sotomayor and Bart. You know what? I don't know how to pronounce your last name I, as long Mather. as it's Mather. Yeah. Yep. A lot of people say Mather. 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 That was going to be my guess. A Mather. lot of people go there, but that's just not good. <laughs> Mather, um, it's Mather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you, Katie? <laughs> um, and these are two very special humans. Uh, Andrew is the one who set us up mm-hmm. in real life. He officiated our wedding. Yep. And he wrote the intro to our podcast. I'm all over this place. <laughs> yeah, he's all over it. <laughs> uh, Probably the single person responsible for this podcast. I, yeah. Really? In an indirect way. I guess so. Yeah. Had he not set us up, officiated the wedding, oh, done all I that see stuff. The long game. I was yeah. like, did he whisper so, in one of our ears? Vendetta with the dominoes. Just- <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they are, Andrew and Bart are starting their own podcast shortly called Icon or Ycon. There it is. In which, <laughs> in which you explore different universes. Can you explain how it is? So the whole thing is... We're going to go into complete universes and discuss how they relate to each other, uh, one's better than the next, all all of our opinions, and then explore how they relate to the culture that they were in when they appeared. Hmm. So, like, first is the VSC universe, and so the first topic is we're talking about Clerks and how it relates to 1994 and how 1994 relates to Clerks. And how we all really wanted to be either Dante or Randall after that movie came mm. out. That sounds really smart. That sounds way smarter. Do you and you prepare a lot? Do you research? Mm, vague format. Okay, I did some fun about, facts. The thing about Andrew, though, is that he's like a pop culture encyclopedia. I know. <laughs> I do know that. Open yeah. the book, and there it is. I just know things, and has a unique ability to just personify any moment in time at will. <laughs> <clears throat> so that those are them. <laughs> Check out their podcast. <laughs> We're very I run a tight ship here as you can see. <laughs> um, but your so your second is your second episode going to be the Harry Potter universe? No, 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 because we're doing all of the VSP Universe movies in a row. So it's Clerks, oh. then Mallrats, then Chasing Amy. Okay, so, so then why are, why are you watching Harry Potter? Because, because we, we like, like movies. movies. Oh, so it's, <laughs> this is not a part of the podcast at all? We already finished the VSP Universe. We'll get to Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just that we got on the Harry Potter franchise while you guys were already in the thick of it, so I started checking in. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Fishing for the invite. Yeah. Yeah, just going to time out, right? And we, yeah. time out. And we took it, hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, honestly, um, it's really, as you can imagine, since Adam is not always the most loquacious human being, if he's not really, if he's not into, he's, ho hum about a movie not like hating it or not loving it there's not much to say he just does his shoulder shrug he's like yeah well no i didn't really like it i'm like well that doesn't fill a podcast adam (laughs) (laughs) also Um, you can't hear a shrug yeah you can't hear a shrug even on the rustle of our bedding uh because it's we usually record in our bedroom because it's more 
because uh, it's sexy. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy your podcast in a completely different way. Than I know you guys are in bed. Well, the yeah. sound the sound quality improved by like a hundred percent. I think in episode four, where I realized that like, oh, if we're in the bedroom, like you don't hear the air conditioner going or anything, and so it was just. And there were multiple reasons for that. One, we stopped doing laundry while we were recording. Uh, yeah. And we stopped eating while we were recording. Uh, particularly of this series, like there's a lot of um, chewing noises. There's oh some crunch. crunch. <laughs> I had to, I like, can you imagine editing that? And we're just like stuffing our face <laughs> with pizza and talking about, and we're watching the movie. Like it's already insufferable because I'm wa- like trying to go through the movie and find the things we're saying in the middle of the film. And it turned out to be like really hard to listen to because no one was getting context clues and uh it was a whole thing. So we abandoned that after like the first two movies. Anyway, so the series ended and I thought we were going to have a big, long, deep conversation about it. And Adam was just like, meh, I didn't really like it. Because so it just, it left so much unresolved. <sighs> Did I it thought. though? Did it though? See, now, here's my take. The real problem is that it is 60% exposition. Mm-hmm. And what's the rest? Forty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and fifty percent. And forty percent payoff. And that's the thing: the threads actually do pay off really, really beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's just that there was so much set up, and I and I'm like, I'm not certain that there was a lot of pre-planning. I think the pre-planning just worked better than Lost. And so we're into it. But Threads, the the way Threads come back and the way Dobby's freedom ended up becoming such a major facet of the end of it was really beautiful. Um, You know, I I felt like uh, the... I felt like the whole mug blood thing got more serious. I felt like it started off as an insult and then got really, really serious way late. You know? Yeah. And then and I don't but know, I don't know how much foresight went into that because all of a sudden that's like a serious slur. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it was kids playing around just three movies ago. Mm-hmm. So have you read the books? I have not read the books. I got then, halfway through the first book. Yeah, the first book's unreadable now that you're <laughs> a, a grown adult. Now that you are a grown adult, it's like, ugh. Um, but Bart, you have read all the books. I have read all the books. This was my complete childhood. Yeah, um, same. So I was a complete Harry Potter fan, went mm-hmm. to all the midnight openings mm-hmm. of every book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 11 when the first movie came out, mm-hmm. so I was I was going to Hogwarts with yeah. them in their first year and mm-hmm. so and it actually pretty the first four movies I believe came out basically a little over a year from each other. They were. So it they, really felt yeah. like I was living this life. They were them. And then obviously then they, <laughs> as the, the movies got bigger and, you know, they took more time on them, then mm-hmm. it, it happened that way. But no, but I was completely obsessed with them. And mm-hmm. I uh, actually reread the entire series four months ago. Wow. For the first time ever yeah. since I was a kid and read them the first time Mm -hmm. and I was blown away as an adult rereading them and seeing like you uh, it's funny that you said that about I don't know if it was a bunch of pre-planning but 
reading them as an adult, it was all pre-planning. Oh, maybe she, not yeah. from the first one, but she had she had threads going totally. from book to <laughs> all the way through. No, she knew she for sure knew that Snape was <clears throat> protecting Harry and was good from the very beginning. Um, I think there is a lot, that, and she probably knew that it was going to end with Harry having to die, and then you know, like I think there are some big things that she knew. Um, and the books are, I think the, what sucks is that it is so much exposition with so little payoff, but the books, the payoff is in the books and you do sort of feel like the frog in the boiling water, the, the water that's getting hotter and hotter because the racism and Voldemort overtaking is a lot more gradual in the books because Umbridge, Umbridge becoming headmaster. So her working as Defense Against the Dark Arts and becoming headmaster is a huge deal. <laughs> right. And you're, I mean, you're supposed to. <laughs> I hated her so much. Oh, yeah. I, I, I always joked with him. I said, there's this meme that went around that was a bunch of pictures of famous villains from series. And it was, and the caption was uh, something along the lines of, there, throughout our our geekdom, there are villains that we love to hate, and then there's this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and she is like so she is just the worst. Yeah. Oh, and her stupid pink on pink. Oh, and her cats and looks and cat thing is she's yeah. It's ghastly. I know. It's such a yeah. So it's a, it it is more gradual in the books, and you do. It does, I think, parallel a lot more like the rise of Nazi Germany or whatever, which I think is where she's taking it from. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, total fascism. Yeah, so it feel it feels a lot more like that when you're reading it. But the the movies just don't. There's so much. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that you caught the importance of Dobby being freed and that coming back because like he's cut out of like four movies, All of the movies. Yeah. yeah where he's like actually in them and he's a big piece and and uh galen or galen sorry my friend galen has curly hair just like hermione so i was thinking about it. Uh, hermione goes through a big like freeing rampage where she um knits all of this clothing and leaves it for elves to find so they can take it and free themselves Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and uh, and so there's a big like so she's kind of like a rebel fighter, and that's totally I understand why it's cut out of this. This is when she finds conditioner, right? Yeah. yeah, and all of this or, relegated or, 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 to Dobby's yeah. eleven minutes of screen time across eight movies. But yeah, he really doesn't do much. But they make him so significant. But honestly, in in the final film, his death scene, they, he really made me feel that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and gotta give props to Dave Yates because he like guided this ship from the last four movies. And, and it was, was very, very those, those last four movies worked work together. Totally. And and I'm so glad that and he's doing all the Fantastic Beast movies. I'm so glad they finally settled on a director because the change I think it's so watching them all in succession, one right after the other, seeing the change in tone from Chris Columbus, like they're just these childhood childhood romp films. And then I forget the name of the guy that did uh, movie oh, three, but Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso Cuaron does so well. Listen, and then, I remember seeing that movie in college, and I was just like, let it be written that a Latin man directed the best Harry Potter movie. Yeah. I remember that moment. That was a very special moment when that movie came out, because he he abandoned the need for them to be in their formal dress the whole time. Yes. 
Yeah. He's like, like their kids, kids at school, they're gonna wear clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juicy Couture is really hot right now. Hermione's in a pink tracksuit. Yeah. No she has a time turner. It's fierce. Go for it. Yeah, and the and then the four, but then the fourth movie comes out, and he's like, "I want Bollywood," and then you're like, "What?" Um, <laughs> fourth movie was insane. It was insane, and it's so weird because there's so the fourth book was my favorite book until like the last two, I think, um, but it was my favorite of the ones I grew up with, and. Uh, but so I don't know they focused so much on the ball and the dance and there was so little of what was actually like important and meaty and huge character developments and they minimized um, I mean they minimized Ron and Hermione's relationship through the entire thing where you may not if you're not paying attention you may not even realize they're together yeah. <laughs> which but, is but it's the fourth movie that's the one with where she looks like Belle right yeah yes. That's the movie that got her the audition for Belle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like 10 years, years later. Advance. Years in advance. But th- what they've done is... I appreciate the fourth movie because the fourth movie is the first time that... And I know they're children, and I'm, I'm going to say this in the least creepy way, but uh, the, the fourth <laughs> movie is the first time that they allow us to see them as having desires. Yeah. You know, whereas the first two movies... They're children. Mm-hmm. The third movie, real world stakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fourth movie, they actually have desires, and then they have to cope with death. Right? Yeah. Fourth movie's the one with that's Cedric. That's when Cedric. Yeah. yeah. So, so fourth movie does a lot of heavy lifting for how we see these actors in in a, a series of movies where the tone is going to vastly change rapidly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where it, I think that's where it spends its time because I not having read the books, I enjoyed the fourth movie a lot. Yeah. I actually thought because I was like the fourth movie, I was like they have leaned into the rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> and fourth movie was the one that I told him I was just like if you play the first movie next to the fourth movie, the tone is unrecognizable. Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. Like because the third one kind of still had a toe in what she yeah. tried to do. But the also, what is the layout of Hogwarts? <laughs> I don't know. Check out a Marauder's map. They really map. just changed it. They just yeah. changed it arbitrarily, and we're just like, cool. If you play Clock like, Tower, if you play the sixth Harry Potter game on PlayStation, that's the layout. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, I, for me, I think the the series takes a completely different turn when Rafe finally shows up because no one can play a villain quite like Rafe. Oh, he's incredible. He's so good. With his no-nos. His no-nos. Yeah. They they remove it with CGI after the fact. They fix it in post. <laughs> um, but he's so he's so good. He's so creepy. I mean, I still I still don't understand even after reading the books why the Death Eaters want to follow him. Like what is the appeal? They're not offering much except for like cleansing the wizarding world, but like why would you care? Aside from snobbishness, you know, and someone said that about Hitler. Uh, well, I know, but I, you know, I think they, I don't know, weren't they? It was a financial incentive involved. Yeah, well, I don't he know. Led with a, he led with a strong bravado and fear. Yeah. So his followers, um, when he when he put forward this this whole um, pure blood mentality. Um, clearly it was self-hating because he is half-blood. Yeah. Because of his muggle father. 
um, it's it's clearly stemmed from that, from a self hatred. Mm-hmm. So he he stems out for this, and like we have seen in the world, even in our current times, mm-hmm. where you lead with this bravado of they're the enemy, they're the enemy, and you get followers. Yeah. And, yeah. and it doesn't matter how many things that we see, how many horrible things that we see. You, you start leading with a bravado and a, and a fear mentality, then you got people hooked. Also, all four of us uh, work in the arts. How many times have you followed a dead air and clear that does not know what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest like, about this. I don't know. But I mean, to her original point, there's usually a paycheck attached to that. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, this person's a fool, but goddamn the money. This I know. This cute. I can't turn this down. Yeah, like, this, I'm... This, this contract ends in two months. I just gotta write it this out. This is my ticket to the middle class right here. You know yeah. not what you're doing, but I'll follow you anywhere. Come on. Tax that down. Come on. That's true. I think another thing that I love about Ray's portrayal of Voldemort is, um, especially in the last two movies, you see him kind of flailing towards excellence. Yes. My favorite. You know, he's, um, he's highly unstable. He doesn't understand why, why all these, all the, the puzzle pieces aren't fitting perfectly into place. Mm-hmm. He's trying the next thing after the next, and then he comes up with, "I'm gonna get the Deathly Hallows, and that'll make me the master of death." Yeah. Even then, the Deathly Hallows reject him because he his plan had holes in it. And he didn't and actually earn so the wand. Dum bum bum. Yeah. That's deep as shit, Adam. You <clears throat> glossed right over that. I mean, I, so I don't know if I suffered from uh, the quick succession in which we watched these, because one of the things that was so jarring for me is starting with the first movie, building a world, going to the second movie, rebuilding the world. The third movie, we're three quarters rebuilding that movie. The fourth movie, fuck it. The only it's thing we were missing world. was elephants. <laughs> like the, the fourth movie just leans in, right? This is what movies look like now. Yeah, <laughs> it, they just jump right in, and it's like movies. Honestly, movies one through five, I think, could have been two movies or one Lord of the Rings movie. I, I, I do. I will say that the two Chris Columbus movies could have been one Chris Columbus. Oh, movie. they could have been zero, and we could have had like a fun little last week on Harry Potter. This is what happened, and I would have been. Those two movies are hard to watch, and and the orchestration's phoning it in. Can we call? Can oh, and John we, can Williams we talk about that? John himself Williams. admitted himself Uh-oh. that he stole. He stole. He quoted some of Star Wars Episode One. In book in movie two, mm-hmm. so yeah, he used the same stuff. And like self-admitted, all of Home Alone. Yeah, Well, at the end, it's the, it's the scene in um in the first one, and he's like, "Do you know why Voldemort couldn't kill you? Because of love." <laughs> that music, I literally want to go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's the same beat. Yeah. it's the exact same beat. <laughs> hmm. Also, wait, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how uh, Richard Harris, original? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Richard Harris passes away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And they get Michael Gambon to come in, mm-hmm. who is also, they're both 
British um, royalty. Yeah. Not actors. And yeah, but, like, but Dumbledore but, like aged but, uh, less, in reverse. Yeah, mm-hmm. in reverse like twenty years. So, <laughs> twenty years. And got spry. He's yeah. when he's jumping around, he's like the cup or is it the goblet of fire. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the Benjamin Button crossover moment. Oh, <laughs> like, totally. So many people had an issue with, um, because, because of his reaction to Harry, Harry's name coming out of the Goblet mm. of Fire. So many people had a visceral reaction to him coming down into the chamber afterward and, like, being very serious and, like, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? And all that. Yeah. But, but I think I actually thought it, it worked because we saw this this new Dumbledore piecing together things that were unfolding mm-hmm. before they ended up happening. He was spry. He was like you could tell it. He was like the best wizard there still. He wasn't yeah. like just nice old man. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was still the top notch. Yeah. So he's he wasn't the retired wizard that like knows everything. The first two movies were Father Christmas from Lion, yeah. Witch, and the Wardrobe. Like, and it's like if he did any sort of tough spell, he would have turned to dust. They just like let him. Yeah, but like Michael Gambon really quickly creates an environment for us to be like, this guy destroyed the Horcrux that was the ring, and this poison is gonna fucking kill him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He like, sets a whole plan into place. But he went there. He sets a whole plan in motion to be like, all right, well. This is how we plot out the end game. All right, hot take. <laughs> I was bowled over by double double agent snake. Ah, right, and the, and everyone is, except for this that was fucker. So it's brilliant. That was so good. And when he was like, "What does he say?" He's like, "Have you ever stopped to think that maybe I don't want to do this?" Yes. And if you if you go back and knowing it and watching it from the beginning, Adam, if you wanted to watch them all again. Um, you, you, what? But I literally said this is like, I saw Snape, like, because they made a big deal about it in movie one, that he yes. was protecting Harry when he was hanging from the broom in that internally long Quidditch match. They made that a big reveal thing. Like, yes, that Quidditch match, which is, I'll say this and you can trim it out. It is 50% of the involvement of actors of color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rolling back to the Deathly Hallows for a moment, though. Yes. Um, that animation sequence in the final movie, where they tell us the whole story of the three brothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. The fact to, to give us a pause mm-hmm. to watch that what looked like digitally affected stop motion. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any research for this. I'm so sorry, but okay. I thought that I thought that animation was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. I he says it's a Tim Burton wrap up. Well, I off. loved it. Like I'm really surprised they didn't get a cease and desist from Tim Burton though. It looks like <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the idea. I think yeah. that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it's supposed to be like and and it is. I mean, I have you read the Beetle and the Bard series cuz I did when she she released it a couple years after the book and so you could get that actual book that Hermione had. Um and it, yeah, they're delightful little folk tales. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading it. Well, I mean, I really enjoyed that moment and, you know, thought of just all the wasted exposition moments we had going throughout this whole thing. Mm. Mm. You know, we had a lot of, like, exposition and stuff that was going before, but it was all still post 
original Voldemort ending. So we yeah. never really got, at least in the movies, I still, I'm only speaking of the movies, don't know what's going on in the books. Mm-hmm. We never really got what made Voldemort the Voldemort thing and why no one will say his name. Yeah, you do. He was, he... He was the Hitler of the wizard world. Like, well, he was I mean, clear. He was, but it's not clear. It's, it's, it's not clear. Yeah, it's it's not that same, you know, sort of thing. It's very Brighton Beach memoirs, like, the cancer. Like, yeah. sort of thing going in there, rather than, like, we see the horror that it was during his first thing. Having that moment of flashback, I think, would have really yeah. helped the, the buy-in. And it's not, it's not, it's also, the way, the way we don't say his name is also not clear enough. That the payoff of what Maggie Smith is like, I'm saying his name, yeah, comes through. Like I got it, I understood what it was because she can land a beat like her mother. One hundred percent. Let's be real about this. McGonagall underutilized when she was in the final movie. Still one of my favorite moments. Where she's like, I always wanted to do that spell. Oh yeah, because she's fierce. She's been playing nice for years. She's a bad bitch. Alan Rickman and Maggie Smith, I think, are underutilized throughout the entire series. Yeah, they're so good. And I forgot. So I forgot that um, that Snape died, and you don't find out until after he's dead that he was actually a double double agent the whole time. And it is, I'm just so mad that he doesn't get the due that he deserves. And like, and they just don't go in the, into the Snape exposition enough about how much he really loved Lily and how how James was a fucking bully to him. Yeah. And that there's a whole complicated mm-hmm. thing, and that's why he hates Harry because he thinks that he's this arrogant idiot when he's really just like, I don't know what wizarding is at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like riding on his fame. Um, yeah, they don't go in, into it as much, and he is like cut out of a lot of the movies mm-hmm. in between. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's so I wish that the directors it's almost like the directors didn't know what was going to be important at the end and so they just went with what was important with each book and it's not and so it just like kind of missed for the payoff of the grand scheme of things well we have to we have to remember that um, the final two books hadn't been written when the movies started coming yeah, out. Yeah, so they weren't... And so I, a lot of this, a lot of this, they actually didn't know. I mean, yeah. J.K. Rowling said that she... Because she consulted on all of the movies. So she said... So they, yeah, like she told so Alan they, Rickman what yeah, was going on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But so, here's the other thing. Uh, the screenwriter... There was one screenwriter except for one film. And my theory is that he didn't do that film because he actually writes the Universal Studios attraction script. Oh. And so when you look at the timeline of how everything penned out, it's like, wow, they really just let one screenwriter handle the whole franchise except for one movie because (laughs) he's going to do the Universal attraction and the last four films. (laughs) That... Suddenly makes some sense, yeah. Yeah, so he only doesn't do Half-Blood Prince. And he said, he admitted that he had never read a single book before getting the job. So he just wrote that first screenplay. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I I feel like it looks like it was a studio decision to continue utilizing him. Yeah. Because he had already... developed what the tone was and honestly he's he's a great writer and i but i gotta give props to the one writer i don't remember his name right now that wrote half-blood prince i loved half-blood prince that that completely nailed the tone half-blood prince is a great movie Mm -hmm. 
and just so much heavy lifting for the back end of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so weird to rewatch them again because I think five was my favorite and that is totally my least favorite book, I think. Really? Um, That's so funny because I, even growing up, the first, the first time I ever read the fifth one, I was utterly obsessed. Yeah. I, it was, it was absolutely my favorite book. Because hmm. at first, the third was my, oh, the, the third, third is was amazing. my favorite book. I mm-hmm. loved Prisoner of Azkaban. And then the fifth one with, before I even knew what PTSD was, seeing Harry go through that and yeah. be utterly alone while the government is is trying to shut him up and like mm-hmm. gaslight him and say, hey, you don't know what you're talking about, even though you're the only one that was there. And then mm-hmm. you have Umbridge coming into the, the place and mm-hmm. they're infiltrating the school system, trying to... And as an adult reading this, I was like, wait, like, this is real. Yeah. This is completely real. And this is... And I, I guess even before, like, when I was... However old I was when I read that book, I guess I was... 13, 14, I knew that, like, I loved that book, but didn't realize why. Mm-hmm. I think, so, I, th- I, think yeah. I was, like, at the point where it read, like, I guess I took from it more when I was younger and read it, that it was more like his whiny puberty phase where he was like, no one understands me. Yeah. And it was less the seriousness of the um, PTSD and stuff. I just think the movie, they handled the movie so well. It clipped along so, like, that... Yeah. I love that. And it was David Yates's first. I think he that solidified his thing. Um I didn't realize how little they like I you know Tonks showed up, shows up in the movie. I'm like, "Oh my god, Adam, just you wait. You're going to love this character." And they, they like you literally know nothing. <laughs> she dies off panel. Yeah. <laughs> when, in, when in the books, when in the books, she's She's constantly there. Oh yeah, yeah. she's one and of the I coolest. And I get it. I get the whole we need to we need to focus our our efforts. Like Tonks in the in Half One Prince is actually the one that finds Harry in under the cloak in the train. Mm-hmm. But they were like, I get it that like we haven't really focused on her, so let's focus on Luna because we know she's going to be important in the next one. Yeah. You know, so let's do this. And she finds it because she's got weird goggles on. Okay, great. I don't even know who Tonks is. Exactly. And Tonks Mm -hmm. was, Tonks was, uh, you know, when you're looking at female role models, um, it was Hermione and it was fucking Tonks. Like those, those were the two Tonks was really, so Tonks is big in the books. What does she do in the movies? (laughs) She She shows up. Shapeshift. Her hair could change colors and yeah, she, oh. could, she could change things about her body. Like she was the one that was with uh, Lupin. Yes, yeah. and she's the wild. Oh, and, she and, does nothing in the movies. And they cut out the fact that she's pregnant and has a mm. baby, and so they just sort yeah. of mention the fact that their babies in the final Lupin. movie. <laughs> but it's like, but it's such an important thing because it's it's like Harry. It's a, a circular. It's all full circle. Like we have another orphaned child and. Uh, because of Voldemort, and I'm getting chills talking about it, but the movie doesn't express that at all. No, it, it, I, I found the seventh movie hilarious for just how many people died off panel. Oh, yeah. Like, they do this, and it's all of a sudden they're gone, and 
you know, my theory for Matt I. Mooney is that he just got in a fight with the craft services people and they had to let him go. I cannot. Matt, I, I cannot. <laughs> hey, wait, why is he gone? He just go like. I don't know. And I love him Matt up so I hard. Sure. And then he has no death scene. That and, yeah. and Hermione. I mean, or not Hermione. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Uh, alcohol. Um Hedwig dies so quickly. Dies, Hedwig dies quickly in the books too. I remember book. having having to reread that chapter multiple times, being like, "Wait, what? Hedwig just died? What the fuck?" Um, yeah, that was weird. But like Mad Eye Moody, and he's such a cool. He's one of my favorite characters too, and mm-hmm. and just the fact that he dies so quickly, and and I get they can't do it, and even even the death of Fred Weasley is sort of glossed over. You know the only the only dead person who really gets their due is fucking Dobby. <laughs> Dobby has a death sequence. Yeah, but, uh, like it's funny, way though, at the end, though. almost in like a flashback sort of thing, because it like it felt really played down at the beginning. Like, yeah, there was that moment, but like you didn't get the gravity of it until the eighth movie basically starts with you know in memoriam. Yeah. To Dobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, wait. We watched the we watched seven and eight back to back because one I was shit. so pissed off about the cliffhanger at the end oh, of yeah. six. Like I was d- like, I'm not fucking going through that. <laughs> Dobby We're is just gonna watch all this. Dobby is dead, and Voldemort has the fucking elder wand. Well, come on, we gotta watch this yeah. shit. Like I, yeah. It, I mean, they well, ended it's it. It's funny. It's funny though because um, the. Deathly Hallows Part 1, and I and I said this before we even started watching these. Deathly Hallows Part 1, they made such an excellent film with that, that it caused this cultural boom amongst producers saying, oh, well then we'll just split the last book of a young adult series every time now. Mm-hmm. Whether it made sense or not, and the, the point was like when whatever his name that did the screenplay yeah when he wrote the screenplay for deathly hallows it was david gates that was like i have this is a five and a half hour movie exactly and he was like i have to split it so then they went back to the drawing board and they said this is what we'll do let's make two full movies and they and they really Hmm. did an excellent job with deathly hallows part one that yeah the second Deathly Hallows is basically like all of the third act action. Yeah. So like, of course it's going to be like an amazing, like exciting film, but he managed to not bore us with the first half of a novel. Like, or as Mockingjay did not not have to be two films. No, (laughs) I I think that, you know, that brings up like a really good point. And like a weird thing that I felt in the series as a whole is like, after like the beginning making you know what ostensibly should not have been a two and a half hour movie in one and two into that length they just felt constrained to that length Mm. in the ones that actually had meat to them and they kind of squandered their runtime on things like i i said to her in the middle of watching it in seven like that whole reaction shot of the snitch hanging in front of uh, Harry's face was pretty much the whole, you know, reaction shot when <clears throat> um, Gamora was thrown off the cliff in Infinity War. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Gamora dead, Thanos. Gamora dead, Thanos. It's like Harry, snitch. Harry, snitch. 
Harry. It's important. Snitch. Adam, like, the resurrection stone is fucking in it. That's why it's important. But One I mean, it's a lot of them staring at it. Right like I bought into face. it, but like we could have been doing so much more. We could have had, you know, a very important on-panel death. <laughs> yeah. You know, in that time, but, like they squandered like this artificial, you know, two-hour mm-hmm. and ten-minute finish line that they had. Also, I will speak to both of your points. Adam, you are correct. Squandered. Squandered a lot of things they could have done with that moment by giving so much. Katie, you are correct. Yes, the Resurrection Stone is in it. And what does the Resurrection Stone do for someone that has never read the books? Gets to talk to some ghosts yeah, real quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why is this a part of the Deathly Hallows? Why is the philosophy? And then he drops it on the ground. And I was like, wait, that was a lot of build-up. Yeah. <laughs> for him to talk to Ghost Dad also just be like, so obviously favors Ghost Mom to Ghost Dad. It, oh yeah, no. Well, I, I just think Ghost I, Dad was hired for the look rather yeah, than totally. Yeah, they did. They did not want him to do any lines. Oh my god. Like, well, I mean, well, that's actually that's actually in the books too, though. Really? Yeah. The oh, connection he's, between he's totally Harry's mom point. and 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 they make it quite clear in the fifth one. When we realized that James was a dick. Oh. Yeah. When James was a bully. He like, yeah. So, but everyone talked about like the, the, the thing that comes back <laughs> tenfold in every single movie is you have Lily's eyes. Mm-hmm. You have Lily's eyes. Which you means he eyes. has her heart and her yeah. soul. And they also, and, and I had to explain, <laughs> I had to explain to, uh. That's it! <laughs> I don't, yes, <laughs> it does. Ah, I'm too glad to explain so to Andrew. Really I was right. like, um, the the thing that they don't, they keep saying Lily's love kept you alive, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't go into the detail of why that is a thing mm-hmm. that she gave her life for Harry. And in doing so, sent uh, set a familial rule in place, a protection that mm-hmm. goes away when he comes of age. Mm-hmm. And like he asked after I want to say the the fifth movie or the sixth movie, one of those that um, you're like, well, clearly he's not going to go back to the Dursleys. Oh yeah, like, and I fuck said, them. And I said but, they suck. <laughs> they, they do. do. But they have to take care of him, otherwise their family is in danger. And that's why uh. at the very beginning of the seventh movie, when Harry's about to come of age, all all bets are off. The the protection is the, the familial protection that Lily set in place is done. That's why they have to go into hiding. That's why Hermione has to send her parents away and wipe their memories like mm-hmm. that was like, sad to bri- oh, brilliant so sad and they just gloss over they, it they they do and you've that's... seen a five second thing and you don't yeah i mean there's so much that if you're not really paying attention to every second and yet they really never tell you that she erases no their memory of her and yet, and yet, they will spend ten minutes with Harry and Hermione dancing with each other in a tent, which is not in the books at all. No, but I love that moment. Why? <laughs> Why? It's still, I, it's still, I still think about it as the weirdest moment I've ever watched in a film ever. Like, I, where I see strange. it happening, and I'm like, 
Why? I, I feel like that's going to be stolen for, like, Gran Torino 2. Like, that's a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I will say this, though. The one thing that eight, that the eighth movie does really, really, really well is it lets you know that these main characters are aware they're marching towards their death. Mm-hmm. And it also... and. Let's group seven and eight together in the second point. Uh, Ron all of a sudden has balls. Finally. Yeah. You know, and and it's and he's he's got because, and I feel like it's because he knows that his best friend and the woman he loves are marching to their death. He finally has something. It's not mm-hmm. about awkward ginger Ron mm-hmm. and his silly brothers at Hogwarts. You know, it's not about that. It's not about. He's going to be, like, the sidekick to Harry's problems. He actually spends a whole movie being upset about being the sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets to a point where he's like, no, like, I actually have an active role in this. Um, and so he, he doesn't yeah. participate in his wizardly class as well enough to be as active a fighter as he should be. Yeah. And, and I kind of lament that he doesn't get payoff for his wizarding skills in the way that Harry and Hermione do. Because Hermione, they, like... I just love when he owns, he's like, we won't survive without her. Well, like, and we it's... won't last two days without her. It's fucking true. She's the only one that is actually, like, they don't even really go into the fact that Harry is a talented wizard. He's just, like, yeah. from good blood. And so you're like, is he actually that good? Or is he just, like, of a powerful family? Whereas Hermione, it's such a feminist comment, I must say. Whereas Hermione researches so hard and works so hard and is clearly the best wizard. And she's working a thousand times harder than anyone else. Well, Hermione is the one that, like, truly would exist in a meritocracy. Yes. Harry's trying his damnedest to die. Ron <laughs> spends four movies chasing a rat. Like, and Hermione's the only the one that's taking her studies seriously. Ron is a boob, but then... but. Having that time away, and it's, it is like, it's, you know, the coming of age story. There are lots of cultures where a man goes out into the, to like camping by himself and he comes back a man. Like that was Ron's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and then he gets the fucking sword of Gryff- Gryffindor as he's saving, and he kills, and he does the first, cor- he kills the first Horcrux. Harry so for his for- polar plunge. I know. <laughs> yay for Ron. I mean, I think there is, like, if you take the time to unpack, this series, there is so much that is so beautiful and well thought out, and it is just a beautiful series. But it does like just watching the movies casually. Adam doesn't allow you to really like appreciate a lot of the genius that's in there. So it's it's the weird thing because like I really think that there's some incredible filmmaking in this and beautiful storytelling, but it vacillates so wildly between important and unimportant that they're trying to get the fans of the books to be 100% on board and people who haven't read the books 100% on board and disappoints both. Yeah. I guess there... But but I do think that the last film is so action-packed. To me, it's a lot like Endgame where it gives a lot of devotion to the characters and everyone... Everyone gets, like, their special shining moment. You know, Mm -hmm. Neville gets to kill Nagini, and it's so great. And I was crying every time Neville came on screen the last one. I was like, oh, my God. Um, The fact that they added the Molly Weasley and uh, Bellatrix is strange. 
moment. Yeah. You bitch, not my oh, daughter. Is that you not bitch. in the books? Wait, no, that's in the it books. It is in the books, it's, but the fact that they it's kept it. It's just one of those moments that had to exist oh, in the films. Yeah. And well, so the, it was so worth it. And so it is like it is like Endgame. Like it's not is and, it is it the best film in the series? No. But does it give the payoff that everyone wants and every moment is like and a cheering applaud like that is the as, last movie as someone who didn't read the books that was like the movie that i was the happiest with because mm. you know if you're a casual observer if you if you're like me and have decided that mm, i don't really need to read the books yeah i i bought into the last movie like i you know, I, I took that journey with them, even the things that I didn't quite understand. <laughs> um, like Neville's journey from zero to hero, completely off panel. Yeah. Like we had the whole Rocky training montage where he, you know, just kept blowing himself up with yeah. Expelliarmus and then suddenly he's killing bitches in the last yes. movie. Yeah, all of a sudden he's great, yeah. After taking time off to like pass hors d'oeuvres at a party. No, he was holding down, <laughs> he was holding down the fort. The entire time that Hogwarts is still open, he's the one that's like, isn't he the one that's basically yeah. running Dumbledore's army while oh, Harry's gone? Standing yes. on the bridge, talking shit while Wakanda's force field is up. <laughs> yes, reference. <laughs> and then it falls, he runs, and then he's a badass. Yes. Like, I was okay with that, though. I was on that journey, but... He was he was popping some good shit. <laughs> yeah. On the bridge. Um, something, some, and I had to explain this to him. Um, what they never really go into in the fifth one is the prophecy specifically talks about a child born at the end of July will be your undoing. That will be your nemesis. That will be the Dark Lord's nemesis, right? Mm -hmm. um, which, obviously, okay, Harry, great. But it could have been Neville because, but they never mention that anywhere in the in the mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. No, because and that's, that's such a huge and that's such a huge factor because it ends up becoming both of them. Yeah, because Neville kills Nagini. Neville, and, yeah. But they can't they can't mention it because that's like that's like going in the Matrix and being like, well, the Oracle's prophecy could apply to Agent Smith. <laughs> he is born of the Matrix. You know what I mean, like. And on a rewatch, it could apply to Agent Smith, but it doesn't. It's about mm. Keanu Reeves. So they made the movies clearly about Harry. 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 And, and I, I get that. And I, I totally dig that. that. Um, Neville, I, I really enjoyed how they really had to put some energy into ugling him up because he got cute. Oh, <laughs> have you seen shirtless photos of him? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh. He looks amazing, but like you can see, be like, wow, they're going to put those wax teeth on him, huh? Yeah. But he's not Bucktooth anymore. And then by movie seven, it's like when he's like, he's not on the train. I was like, Neville's kind of hot and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, they needed to address the fact that almost the entire cast was on human growth hormone, basically. Oh, they... Like the timeline see, that they took. By was book like, four, you're like, oh, they are, they are men. They're a mess. Yeah. Emma Watson's got titties in her beautiful yeah. dress. Like you, Harry was Harry. Yeah, yeah. Remember, he did Equus. I think between seven and eight, or between six and yeah. seven. Yeah. So he he like gotten in shape because he had to be naked, and finally oh. got an acting coach and was finally good. And <laughs> he was always good. We need to get Mark involved with this. You remember Mark, the British guy who was the babysitter for. Um, Harry Potter? No. 
No, Mark? when we went to the barbecue, Mark Pawsey, he's this British guy. He he knows the Radcliffe family, and he babysitted da- Daniel. Babysitted? He babysat. Yeah, babysat. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah, you've been sitting here feeding me wine like it's out of an IV bag, so leave me alone. He babysat Daniel Radcliffe? Yeah. He's what, like... What was Daniel Radcliffe like as a child? I feel like he was lovely. <laughs> I mean... I want to believe he was lovely. I think he was like a sweet little boy. Like, he wasn't... Mm-hmm. You know, he just... Yeah, like Harry Potter in book one. Just like happy to be there. <laughs> happy to be around and involved. And that's what I imagined. Daniel but so you think his acting improved? Uh, 100%. I think he's... I think all of their acting improved. Yes. You can did. watch them become actors. Yeah. Like. I think all of them did, but real talk... And this is a bold take. Um, Emma Watson's walking in the room with the most natural materials. One hundred, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because she, she was solid in those first two movies. She's yeah. the Dakota Fanning. She yeah, like, she had the like real the one that like actually had the talent. Because it was during the second movie where when she was, it was during the second movie where I was like, this bitch is a star. Oh yeah, like and, she's so good. And she's the only one. So she's done Beauty and the Beast and Little Women. She's Emma a, Watkins. Emma Watson is cool. And she is. Good. She is a feminist advocate. Oh, she, I'm so into her. I she's fucking cool. love her. She's smart. I agree. She's beautiful. Like hashtag gold. I agree. Like, who knew that Hermione would turn into that woman? Do you know what I mean? We all but knew because it's, like, it's fucking Hermione. Hermione. Yeah, she played yeah. Hermione. She's cool. I'm really into her. Can't wait to see what she does next. I feel like we might have to cut this off soon because our poor dog needs a walk. Did you get what you needed from us? <laughs> yes. But also, like, it's so good to see you guys. It's so good Absolutely. to see you. Yeah. We miss you guys this is so, so much. so fun. Mm. All right. So we're, we're not going to wait <laughs> to, for us to simultaneously finish another franchise to do this again. We'll just be better at doing these. No. Yeah. So we don't need, we don't need, we don't need to talk about a show. I mean, yeah. it's great and I love it, but we don't need that. What were your final thoughts of the series? All right. I'll go first. Yeah. So my final thoughts on the entire film series, if we are completely abandoning an experience with the books as being necessary for experiencing the films. I would say that the films, while you can see where they retrace their steps and kind of guide you into a new direction, really, really do wonderful things and you can spot that they are carrying the viewer that has never read the book along with giving eggs for the viewer that has read the book. That there's a there's a joint effort of trying to engage the new audience and satisfy the book readers throughout. Mm -hmm. But there are some visible, hard pivots that they take in the storytelling. But the hard pivots really stop at movie four. By movie four, it's like the rest of the series looks like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron's like acts as a soft reboot using your favorite actors in the roles you know them as Mm -hmm. but that movie is essentially a soft reboot and four is like it looks like this five six seven eight has one consistent tone consistent tone I appreciate that Mm -hmm. those are my final thoughts I I felt cared for as someone that had never read the books but I could Mm -hmm. see that they were giving people that had read the books what they needed Mm. see I'm I'm still squarely in the camp that they tried to please everyone and Thus, kind of no one. I I wouldn't say please no one because there were parts of it that I did truly enjoy. 
but I feel like they got off the off the rails. Like one, two, and three, I don't think needed their own two hours. They're so long, <laughs> you know. Um, and I feel like later on, when they really found their stride and their, you know, storytelling and visual, you know, I. I don't even know how to put it. Like when they finally decided on the tone, they artificially constrained themselves into, okay, well, we've got to do all of this in just two hours kind of hurt them Mm. a little bit because they crammed so much in and spent time waffling between exposition for people that hadn't read the books and assuming that people had a base knowledge that it muddied the message in some of them. Interesting. I feel it. I feel it. Where, you know, I think if they took, you know, like, you know, just going into, like, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson cut a shit ton and changed some stuff. But he also added some... He also added some shit. He did. (laughs) But, you know, and Fellowship of the Ring, long-ass movie... Lots of stuff, but if you just take Two Towers and Return of the King, those, I think, satisfied both devotees of the book and people who had no thing, like, no idea coming in. Mm. And those were, like, three-and-a-half-hour movies, and people accepted it. I think that they could have done something like that and done really well because they, they would get on a... You know, a track that I really sunk my teeth into and I enjoyed, and then they just skip over into a new thing. Hmm. And it lost I totally hear that. I totally hear that as somebody that read all the books and went to all the premieres and all that. I I could have sat there for five hours, totally and like taken in the whole everything that they had to yeah. to offer. And I totally hear that because I mean, five, six, seven, and eight, the. You know, the photography was brilliant. Everything was so good. But they just kept bouncing around. And I was like, oh, they're trying to fit in for two hours. Like, they're trying to confine themselves for time Mm -hmm. and sacrificing the storytelling a little bit. Oh, man. I think you're right, man. Well, there you have it. There you have it. The Harry Potter series. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see Icon or Wycon have their own. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. But on the topic of Harry Potter, I will leave you with this. Just ponder this. Why is Moaning Myrtle visibly 30? She died at school, meaning she's somewhere between 11 and 17. She's the worst witch ever.